0: Let's go. Yes sir. Welcome back to the ADF Underground. I am your host Chris. They call me Chaos. What's up, y'all? Week three is nearly in the books. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate it. But before we dive into this week's contest and review, let's take a step back and discuss something. I know that many of us are already done talking about it's almost a conclusion, but the Antonio Brown situation. I wanted to jump in with my opinions, my thoughts on the matter, because a lot transpired since we were on the show last week. And of course, everybody knows already that Antonio has been released by the New England Patriots. He is now, again, a free agent on the open market looking for work. But the problem is, is he has taken to social media like a storm. He is not giving up. He is, he is saying that he is done with the NFL, almost essentially retiring. Uh, he's going back to now cuss down the New England Patriots owners uh he's 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 doing everything he shouldn't be doing so I mean when you start looking at what has happened since the fallout from the Pittsburgh Steelers getting traded to the Oakland Raiders and then leaving Oakland the way he did to get to New England and then now being released based on more text messages that came out I won't dive into all that because everybody already knows the story but it's clear in my eyes something definitely isn't right with Antonio Brown I don't know what has happened, what all of a sudden flipped the switch back in Pittsburgh where he felt uh, that he either wasn't respected, whether it's ego. I don't even know anymore, but there is a big problem happening with Antonio Brown, and I really wonder if we have seen the last of him in the NFL. I mean, his agent, uh, Drew Rosenhaus, has always has said that a few teams are interested, but they want to see the legal uh, – situation resolve itself before they offer up a contract but even then you know if a team takes a chance on him is it going to materialize or is it going to be another sideshow like it has been you know i saw a nickname called clown tonio and i think that's kind of funny now but um there is something wrong i i really just i'm curious i mean this is something he was one of the best receivers in the game and if he was to play another four or five years I mean, he was basically Hall of Fame ready. And now for his legacy to be drastically altered to the point that I do believe he will not be in the Hall of Fame. He won't be a consideration unless, you know, something magical happens and he cleans up his act. But the way it looks right now, Antonio Brown looks to be done with with the NFL. I would be shocked if anybody gives him another chance. And it's unfortunate. I mean, when was the last time that we saw anybody fall from grace this quickly on their own volition? I mean, it's, it's shocking. It's definitely shocking. But anyway, that's my two cents on it. I hope he gets better. I hope he gets some people around him that can help him rebuild his, his not only his career, but his, uh, his perception of himself throughout everybody. But I mean, it doesn't look good. But anyway, week three, let's go. Let's move on. Week three, we had a lot of good games on the docket, a lot of entertainment. Let's dive right in. So, going back to Thursday night football, the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Tennessee Titans. So, I was curious to see how this contest was going to shape up. I am, as you know, if you've listened to the other shows, You know I'm not a supporter of Marcus Mariota anymore. I'm actually quite down on him. But I do like the Tennessee Titans defense. So even traveling to Florida, I thought that, you know, this game would be a lot closer than it was, thinking that the defense would have held the team in this contest a lot longer than it did. But I did not think that Gardner Minshew, say it again, Gardner Minshew, he was going to perform the way he did. If you didn't catch this contest, and I mean, I don't blame you. It didn't look good on paper. But this, this kid, this, this rookie, he's, he's looking mighty fine out there. Gardner Minshew, he was on point. If you saw these passes that he was dropping to his receivers, I mean, DJ Chark looked to be like it was his favorite man on the field. Some of these passes he was throwing his way. The deep shots were in the, in the bread basket. It looked good. I was very impressed. Um, the Jags' defense, and they stepped it up. I mean, amidst the, the Jalen Ramsey trade rumors that he wanted out, uh, that basically after the contest that they would be securing a, a deal with, with an opposing team to get him out of there, he impressed me, Jalen Ramsey did, He came out to play. He didn't leave his teammates out to dry. He was there on every play, making tackles, making hits, sacrificing his body. I mean, the Jags looked really good. I mean, outside of the run game, I mean, Leonard Fournette just couldn't get going, but uh, with exception of that long, uh, I believe it was like a 50-yard or 60-yard run. Um, uh, But the Jags looked okay. They looked very good. As for the Titans, I mean, I, I, I just can't say enough negatives towards what the Titans are doing right now. I mean, Mariota did go for over 300 yards, but it's just an ugly 300 yards. It wasn't impressive whatsoever. You know, Derrick Henry, he tried to run, but he was getting stymied the entire game. And I mean, you have all these weapons on this Titans offense with with the rookie Brown, with Humphrey signed from free agency, you know, Corey Davis is like I don't even know what to say about Corey Davis anymore because I was never a fan of Corey Davis to the point where I would I would put him in an elite category of receivers, but he is not working either. And and the Titans' defense was left out to dry. I mean I mean what else can you say? It was just it was not a good showing uh, for Tennessee whatsoever. They're dropping down the rankings now, and and I mean the Jags took it to them. The Jags look a lot better with Minshew under there. They saved their season. They're one and two. Both teams are one and two. Uh, but going in different directions, so I mean, it wasn't a great contest, but it was what it was. We did learn a couple things about a few players. If you guys want to hit them on the waiver wire next uh, this coming week, here uh, Minshew should be on the on the horizon. Same with DJ Chark; he's looking like a wide receiver one in the making. So, yeah, I mean, don't give up on Leonard Fournette. Maybe trade him since his value might be there if you want to get him get out from under him. But, but it's okay; I don't mind it. So jumping in a Sunday. We had uh, quite a few games that I was uh, keen on on watching. And the first one, let's start off with the the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia, 3-0, first time in how many years? I believe they said it was like eight or nine years. Can you believe what's happening? Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, if you caught this game, the first half was all Buffalo, and it was impressive. Josh Allen was accurate. He was on point. He was decisive. The run game was there. It wasn't great, but the run game was happening. Josh Allen was evading the Cincinnati defense. He was throwing a John Brown. He found his tight end, uh, the rookie uh, Dawson Knox. Things were looking good. And then for some reason, they take a 14-point lead into halftime, if I'm not mistaken. And, and for some reason, Buffalo came out flat in that second half. I, I couldn't understand. Well, Cincinnati did adjust, and they adjusted very well. But I couldn't understand why Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills couldn't catch on to these adjustments that the Bengals had. You know, they were they were stacking the box a little bit more. They were throwing more looks that were confusing Josh Allen. And, of course, Josh Allen made a horrendous mistake. This has been the problem that people were afraid of with Josh Allen coming out of the draft, that he was inaccurate, that he would make poor decisions. The accuracy wasn't necessarily a problem today, but it was the poor decisions. He was rolling out to his right, and he just threw up a duck when he should have threw it out of bounds. The pressure was there. There was no receiver in your in your window. And you let Cincinnati back in the contest. And once that pick happened, Cincinnati came down, drove the field and scored and made it a one possession game. Um and still, you know, Cincinnati had all the momentum after that. Joe Mixon finally got into the mix. No pun intended. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't great. Andy Dalton ended up coming back with a nice run they took the lead it was 17 to 14 going into the late end of the fourth and here comes josh allen again so it it, it's like a tale of two halves and then josh allen once again finds his his moxie coming into the end of the fourth quarter and he leads the bills to a scoring drive I mean, it was, it was impressive. If you caught that, if you don't catch the, anything of the game with the highlights or anything, you go back and you check out that last final drive by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and you will be impressed. I mean, he did show everybody that he is progressing week to week. 3-0, I mean, the schedule is a little bit lighter for the Buffalo Bills, so let's not overshoot this to say that they are, you know, a contender because they're far from it. They're learning how to win. And I think that's important for all Bills fans to understand. They are learning how to win. And good teams need to take these steps appropriately to win games consistently later on in the future. Can't hate on it. The Bills came out. They came back. They showed the fight. They showed the heart. And what can you say? Frank Gore, he looked good. Good enough to win. Got in the end zone. Helped the Bills seal the deal. It's a good day in Buffalo. You guys should be smiling. As for Cincinnati, I mean, what can you say? You guys, 0-3, you knew that trouble was going to be, especially since A.J. Green was was lost early. Um, You know, it's going to be a rough stretch. Zach Taylor, I think, is a very smart coach. He does a lot of things very well, and he impressed me with the fact that he was able to come back and manipulate the game plan. Uh, to at least make this game competitive and almost pull out the victory but trouble in Cincinnati glorious stuff in Buffalo but hey the season's still early it's only week three but good stuff happening there moving right along the Dallas Cowboys are hosting the Miami Dolphins I was on record through our posts on all day football Especially in the point spread. I took the spread to cover, I think it was 23 or 21 points. I took the Cowboys to cover that spread. I covered, but I wasn't as impressed with how the offense uh, came to play today. I totally figured uh, Dak Prescott to have been a machine. I, I figured 400 plus yards, four touchdown passes, uh, you know, but it didn't happen that way. The Cowboys seemed to look a little sluggish, almost like they knew that they were going to win, and they took the Dolphins for granted, and they just couldn't get anything going early. Um, the first half, I mean, the Cowboys went into halftime. There wasn't much to speak of. They went into halftime, what, 10 to 6, I believe. And I I wasn't worried because I knew that Dallas would come out ahead. They would make the appropriate adjustments. But it wasn't what I hoped for, especially for fantasy football-wise. I was preaching the starts of Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. Obviously, Amari Cooper and Zeke would have been your, would have been your key starts and your easy starts, but I was, I was thinking everyone on this offense was going to feast, right, especially without Michael Gallup in the lineup. Didn't happen. What did happen, though, was Dallas chose to run the ball when Dak wasn't as effective. Zeke Elliott goes 19 for 125, and Tony Pollard goes for 13 for 103, finding the end zone. They ran all over this Miami defense, who literally has nobody left, by the way. But, you know, we knew it was going to be a blowout. You knew it was going to be a no contest. But for fantasy, the fantasy perspective, I was a little bit taken back and upset because... I know you can you can put me down for that one because you know I was preaching them all to start them all this week and it didn't really happen. I mean, you're going to get you got some stats out of it, but it wasn't what I was expecting. The Cowboys now they are undefeated 3 and 0 as well. The Dolphins are 0 and 3. I mean, there's not much I can say about the Dolphins. This is a again, we're going to be talking about this every week, week in week out. They're done. They're going for Tua from Alabama they want to rebuild this entire team and they believe tanking's the way to go and stack in their 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 bank of picks to help round out the new squad. Don't blame them, but this is what you're going to get from the Dolphins every week. So, I'm not going to spend too much more time on that one. Amari Cooper finally had a day, finally had a day. He he had a day. He's been very good with the Cowboys. I shouldn't say it like that. But, you know, Dallas, they could have this could have been a tune-up game for next week and they just they didn't deliver as as I would have hoped. So, anyway, let's go right along to the next contest. Let's go with the Denver Broncos traveling to Lambeau Field to face off against the Green Bay Packers. This one was kind of interesting for me simply because Vegas had the line, I believe, at eight or eight and a half points in favor of the Packers. I mean, it was justifiable. I think I took the Packers on the spread and... I was only curious because the Denver Broncos defense still has talent. They are very good. Again, they're a few pieces away from being back in that elite category. Vaughn Miller is still a B superstar, you know, and Bradley Chubb on the opposite side. He is just a game wrecker. The thing about this game, when you start talking about the Broncos, again, they're starting slow. They allow the team to take a lead. And it was on a deep shot Aaron Rodgers did, I believe, to Valdez Scandling. And and you you put yourself in a hole immediately because the offense can't generate anything of value. Flacco wasn't horrible today. I mean, he he missed only nine passes, was over 200, but he couldn't find the end zone. The run game was going, but again, he fumbled the ball. Flacco, he, he, I don't want to go as far as to say that he is the problem, but he's not the solution. And I think we all knew this. You know, he was just a, a band aid, patch made approach for John Elway to hopefully find the next coming for this team. Obviously, it's not Joe Flacco. And I mean, going up against the Green Bay Packers. So, the Packers, if you didn't catch this game, this defense, let me educate you. This defense is the real deal. They are an attacking group. They are physical. Preston Smith may be, by the end of the season, the best defensive free agent pickup in the entire league. This man was a wrecking ball today. He was all over the field. He sacked Flacco three times, got in on an assist, four individual tackles. He was... He was the wrecker. I mean, every time you were, if you were flipping around other games and coming back, you see Preston Smith making the highlight. He was just there. He was all over the field. It was quite impressive. As for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense, I am quite flabbergasted at the lack of usage for Devontae Adams. This offense, it clearly, under Matt LaFleur, is about efficiency. It's not about the statistical achievements. It's about winning football games. And when you look at how Aaron Rodgers' demeanor is on the sideline, he is happy, he's excited, he's no longer in this shell where he feels he has to be the one to win the contest. I think the pressure is off of Aaron Rodgers. It's important. Because when you get into those contests later in the year that are extremely important for uh, playoff seeding, Aaron will be there. You know what Aaron Rodgers can do, and he'll be healthy. And I think that's part of this offense, is you're also managing the way in which they win, which manages his reps, which manages his body. I like it. I mean, it's not sexy anymore. The Packers aren't just blowing people away, but look, they're they're handling their opponents on both sides of the ball. There's no question about it. Aaron Rodgers, what was his stats today? He was 17-29, 235 and one touchdown. I mean, that's pedestrian for Aaron Rodgers. The Aaron Rodgers that we know from the past. But they're winning football games. The run game wasn't even there, you know. It wasn't super spectacular. Aaron Jones did find the end zone twice, but it was short yardage, and Jamal Williams outtouched Aaron Jones. So again, are we are we looking at a situation where Matt Lafleur is trying to save a lot of his his top end talent for later usage and not feeding into the game plans for people to dissect them on the tape? It's possible, right? Either way, Packers look good. The defense looks su- superb, phenomenal. And and Packers fans should be extremely happy. You are a division leader once again. And you're going to be very tough to beat. That secondary is for real. If you didn't see it, they locked down Emmanuel Sanders today. He was literally in a phone booth and couldn't get out. He only had two catches for like 10 yards today. It was ugly. Our next contest on the docket, this one. So, like I said before, I am a big supporter of Buffalo Bills Mafia, but I have a lot of love for the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons are a club, if you are a supporter, you are becoming extremely frustrated with over the years because it seems like nothing changes. You know, outside of the Super Bowl season, it seems like nothing changes. You can put up the stats. You know, you're in the games. But if you're away from home, you struggle. And this is what happened today again. Colts went up at halftime 20-3 to before Atlanta even knew what hit them. For real, it was ugly. The run game wasn't there. Matt Ryan wasn't there. Julio Jones wasn't there. The only player, I think, that came in the first half, Freeman, was okay. But Hooper, he, Austin Hooper, their tight end, he came out to play. You know, he had a day. But for the Falcons, again, Matt Ryan throws another interception. We said this last week. He will have a career high in interceptions when the season's done. Why? Dirk Cutter. This offense isn't about keeping the ball secure. It's about finding big plays. And allowing Matt Ryan to just throw the ball freely increases the odds of the ball being intercepted. I mean, it could have been worse. There was, I think, a dropped one in there as well. However, they did make a game of it. This is what happens, like I said. You know, they go down early because they're not at home. And then they make a run for it late in the game and then they fall short. And a lot of people are are upset about it because the fan base was thinking, you know, we were in this contest. But you really weren't. You, You really weren't. You had to clutch and claw all the way back. You were never in this contest. The Colts dominated. So when we start talking about the Colts, I was a little rough on Jacoby Brissett. When the season began after Andrew Luck announced his retirement. I said some things about him. You know, I I said I wasn't the biggest fan, but I wasn't a naysayer. But Jacoby Percet showed me something today. He is building under Frank Reich to show that he can be a legitimate starting quarterback that can get the team to the next level. His game was solid, again. 28 of 37, 310 and two touchdowns. He was good. But here, here's where the game changed for the Colts. So T.Y. Hilton was just ripping apart the Falcons' secondary. And I found that interesting because Trufant was there, Neal was there, and he was just able to find room anywhere he wanted. Whatever Hilton wanted to do, he was able to do it. Until Hilton went down. Because what did he leave with? He had eight, eight catches, 65 yards, one touchdown. And I believe he left in the second quarter and never came back. So the game did change a lot because the Falcons adjusted their defense to now not only cover the remaining receivers, so Paris Campbell hasn't done much, Eric Ebron hasn't done much, and then I think Pascal, he was he was a favorite target when Hilton went down for Jacoby Brissett. But the game changed, and that's why they were able to come back. So it wasn't even by Atlanta's own volition that they were able to climb all the way back it was because the Colts best receiver wasn't in the game I I, I preached this the the last time when I believe it was week one when the Falcons laid a laid a duck on on that Sunday night contest against the Vikings and I was giving it to the gears to uh, coach Dan Quinn because he is a defensive coordinator from his past And how he cannot figure this out by now, I was saying, is my issue. Your defense continues to be a problem. You can fire all the offensive coordinators you want and try to retool the offense, but your defense is a major concern. If you can't figure this out, you're not going back to the Super Bowl and you're wasting the prime years of your top players. On a sad note, We already said T.Y. Hilton was gone with a calf, but he looks like he could maybe shake it off again for next week. We'll see what happens. But the sad note was watching the Falcons' Keanu Neal fall to a non-contact injury again. At first I thought it was his knee again, and it turns out it was his ACL. It's a torn ACL, just got word, and he is done for the season. Watching him on the field cry, and ball his eyes out, not in pain. It wasn't the pain for the man, and you could see it. It was the sheer frustration of what he had to do to come back from that torn ACL, and now he's going to have to do it all over again with a torn Achilles. Keanu Neal is one of my favorite players in the league at the position, at the safety position. He is a game wrecker, and you really feel for the man. You know, It really sucks for him. Prayers out to him. Hope he gets back on track. You know, Godspeed. Moving right along, the game of the day, perhaps, of the early contests on Sunday. The Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody was geared up for this contest. I was geared up for this contest. I couldn't wait. I was so curious to see... What was going to happen? Because we know. We know what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are good enough to get to the Super Bowl. If they, They're, what, few plays away, clock management away last year. If the Ravens could hold off and come into Kansas City, into Arrowhead Stadium, and take down the Kansas City Chiefs, the mighty Chiefs, what would we say? So I came in reviewing the contest with belief that the Chiefs were going to win, like many had. So I believe Vegas had the opening odds, or the closing odds, pardon me, at I believe 7.5 for the Kansas City Chiefs to win. I took it simply because they're playing at home, and I don't think anybody walks into Arrowhead and just takes a contest. In hindsight, I probably should have took the under because the game was it finished closer than what it should have on a late touchdown. I believe it was from Lamar Jackson. But what a contest. If you caught this one, Baltimore came out the gates, fire blazing, defense was solid, run game was solid. We had Mark Ingram on our start, must-start list this week. Glad we did. Three touchdowns. Wink, wink. Mark Ingram was just terrorizing this Chiefs defense today. And it's for good reason. So we had thought right from the start how this game was going to play out, and it started this way. My opinion was that Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram would control the clock through the run. And it did. I believe in the first two or three drives, they had a seven or eight-minute drive to keep the ball out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes. It was working. Up early... Kansas City's offense was looking a little stymied in the first quarter. But then everything broke loose in the second, as it did a week ago. The Chiefs went off, people. 23 points in that second quarter. Baltimore didn't even know what hit them. Robinson. This kid, man. Do these guys just have receivers? Demarcus Robinson, what a couple catches he had in this ballgame. He only had three balls, and two of them were spectacular. One for a touchdown, by the way. He was a high-end waiver wire pickup. Patrick Mahomes, again, he does nothing but dissect the defense through the tutelage of Andy Reid. This is Andy Reid's adjustments, people. Don't get it twisted. He knew, and I believed it, he knows how to appropriately defend running quarterbacks with a strong arm. He coached Michael Vick. This shouldn't have been a surprise. Anyway, Patrick Mahomes, they adjust extremely well. Travis Kelsey was his favorite target on the day. McCole Hardman, the Tyreek Hill clone. Man, this kid's got wheels. When he took off and Mahomes hit him deep, it was just a thing of beauty. It was almost like watching Tyreek Hill back there. Chiefs keep rolling. Lamar Jackson. So here, let's go back to the the Ravens because I don't think I covered it enough. Lamar Jackson. So this was my concern. It's not like the Chiefs' defense is anything spectacular they're not i mean they have a lot of holes as you can see how good mark ingram ran on this team today but the game plan was to remove the receiving threat as well hollywood brown wasn't necessarily in this contest at all mark andrews was a non-factor so where does lamar jackson go so here's the blueprint so now you watch and see the next coming weeks, depending on the on the opponent for the Ravens, they will use this tape as the blueprint for how to slow down this offense. And this is what we said last week. I wanted to see them up against an elite defensive unit to see if Lamar Jackson could actually take them over the top. So because the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't stop the run today, that means that Lamar Jackson is in that elite category or the up-and-coming elite quarterbacks in the NFL, I'm not buying it yet. I still said I was 70%. If you go back, I was 70% last week buy-in on Lamar Jackson. I'm going to drop that down to 60% because I need to see it more consistently against better teams. Not saying he's a bad quarterback because he's obviously good enough to make these plays, but I think he is game not game plan proof he can be game-planned against and done to a successful level. If you put him up against, say, the Green Bay Packers, I think the Packers shut him down. I think that they have the coverage and they have the linebackers to keep it together and they'll allow Lamar Jackson to run around. And you try to beat us with the throw. He didn't find the end zone today with his arm. He went uh, 267 today, no touchdowns through the air. So, I mean, it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. This is very interesting to me because I do believe Andy Reid has done a favor for all the other coaches in the NFL, and they will watch this tape with a very keen eye. Moving right along, the Minnesota Vikings, the disappointing Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings are taking on the Oakland Raiders at home in desperate need to show something positive offensively through the pass game and again it just you know you you have to believe that this is deliberate now going into week three that Kirk Cousins isn't being the one relied upon to win contests. it is through Dalvin Cook and again Cook Went off today again, 16 for 110, finding the end zone on the ground. So, I mean, it's an extremely curious thought I had when I was watching this contest. Because it's not like Kirk Cousins was playing horribly. I mean, his statistics were pedestrian, but his completion percentage was fine it's almost as if they're trying to turn him into a game manager rather than the gunslinger that I think he's more comfortable playing. Granted, the problems with Kirk Cousins is he has never been clutch. He can't win you the games in the, in the, in the final stages if it's tight. So what about your coaching staff what, what are you doing right now to provide confidence for your quarterback to feel like he can win these contests? Because in my eyes, if you fall behind and your running game, isn't there, you're going to need Kirk cousins to be the guy. And you're instilling him with zero trust that he can do it. I had great aspirations for this offense to be something special with Kirk, Gary Kubiak helping the offense. It just hasn't materialized. And I think that depending on the schedule, depending on who they play, they're in big trouble unless they figure this out. The play-action pass isn't even really there. I mean, he found Thielen. Thielen had a decent day just because he found the end zone twice, but he only caught the ball three times. Stefan Diggs isn't even part of the game plan. I don't know. I don't like what I'm seeing whatsoever from Minnesota. They have a lot of work to do. They need to throw out whatever game plan they have, whatever book they have right now that is saying – don't let Kirk Cousins throw the ball. And let the man throw the ball. Yeah, he's going to make his mistakes, but that's who Kirk Cousins is. Don't pigeonhole him into something he's not. This is where you're going to fail. At least let the man throw the ball. He'll make his mistakes. He'll throw his interceptions. But with, run, with the run game with Dalvin Cook, those mistakes are, are fixable because he can now control the clock and you guys can get a lead and still have a defense that can keep you in contest. I don't know. This is my opinion. I think it is the correct opinion, only based on how they've been playing. Right or wrong, you can disagree. It's okay. This is what we do for. Their opponent, the Oakland Raiders, west to east teams. I mean, Minnesota's not necessarily all the way east, but it is It is a decent travel. But the Oakland Raiders, man, this, this is not going to get good. At all this season now. Um, they started off against the Broncos looking fairly good, you know, to prove a point they didn't need Antonio Brown. But now, I don't know, You, I think you're already figured out to a point where you're not explosive. The run game, I was, this is the thing, I want to be very careful before I put this out there because it's not that I wasn't a fan of Josh Jacobs but I wasn't the biggest supporter only because he's from Alabama. And I mean, the only Alabama running back that I'm really on board with, and that's Mark Ingram. I'm not even a big fan of Derrick Henry. These guys are built the same way to support the system in Alabama. They come into the NFL. And I mean, even the workload wasn't there for Jacobs from Alabama, from his college days. He can't find the room. His yards per carry is nice. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm a little disappointed. I'm still going to leave hope for this kid because I think he's got a lot more talent than what it feels like I'm giving him credit for. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still give it a few weeks. We're still early in the season. I think it's good to judge him around week 8, week 9 mark. And then I can, I can come back and say how I actually feel about what Josh Jacobs is actually going to be. Derek Carr in this offense. So it's clear that there is something missing. I mean, Tyrell Williams was locked down today. He couldn't do anything. And this has been the problem. This is why the Chargers were so amenable uh, to allowing him to leave town via free agency. It's because he's not a true number one receiver. He is one of the best secondary receivers in the league when you have a true number one, but he is not a number one receiver. He disappears in games such as this, and then the offense struggles to make up for it. So, I mean, you're, you're tight end. This guy was the beast, Darren Waller. He had the day. He took all the receptions. He was the easy mark for Derek Carr today, 13 for 134. I mean, he, he had a day, but the Raiders have some struggles. The Vikings figured something out today, but, again, it's backed by the run game. But I want to see more from that pass game hopefully we'll see it moving forward. The New England Patriots up against the New York Jets at home. We knew this one. So the, there was a fun fact here in that Vegas actually provided 220 plus spreads for the first time in like what 30 years I think it was. Unbelievable. Dallas had one and New England had one. So, without Sam Darnold, without CJ Mosley, I we all predicted that this one was going to be game over before even the first whistle and it was you know it was a no contest the pats started early finished strong and then with the backups the jets were able to to get involved and get something on the scoreboard tom brady does what he always does he was efficient goes over 300 couple touchdown passes the run game is interesting for the patriots i mean i won't cover the jets too much unfortunately sorry jets fans you guys aren't you're just not looking good I feel bad at this point for Le'Veon Bell and and Jamal Adams. You guys are suffering in New York right now. But hey, you know what? Times will times are tough, but they should get better. But again, going back to New England, this run game is very interesting. Sony Michelle just looks like shades of himself from before. He can't find room. He doesn't look explosive. He looks slow on his cuts. They're using Rex Burkhead as their primary back, especially in this contest very confusing to me but again it wasn't about the run game for this one you knew Tom Brady was gonna nickel and dime him again down the field Gordon Edelman Dorsett all had good games Edelman Dorsett found the end zone today bad news bad note for the New England Patriots Julian Edelman went down with a chest injury did not return I believe he left in the second quarter And then I think I saw Josh Gordon go down. I think he was holding his hand, taking a hit, but he did return. But it was at the point where you're, like, getting a little scared to say, what are they going to do? They're looking a little thin at the wide receiver position now, you know. You better get on the phone and call Antonio Brown back, right? But I don't know. He came back. Gordon came back. He finished the game, but Edelman didn't. So we'll see what the uh, injury report has on that one. But, again, won't take too much time on this one. The Patriots, again, do what they do. They're 3-0 next week's contest against the Buffalo Bills, who are also 3-0, and is going to be extremely interesting to me, even though I'll even say right now that I believe the Bills will lose. I'm saying it early. It may, might change my mind after I do some more review, but I mean, it's the Patriots, right? I mean, even though the game is in Buffalo, so you could drop the point favor quite lower. Maybe it'll, you'll give them like a three or four point favorite, but you know playing in buffalo does give them a little bit of an edge but i mean even then it's the new england patriots it's the super bowl champions so we'll see i think if i'm a buffalo bills fan next week looking at the patriots you're going to be more curious to see how far away you are from finally competing with this club i think that's going to be the thing but the patriots continue to roll roll steamroll the jets next contest on the board is the detroit lions at the philadelphia eagles so I was extremely concerned for Eagles Nation on this one simply because of your injuries. No Deshaun Jackson, no Alshon Jeffrey. Carson Wentz took a massive thrashing last week to the Falcons. You knew the players that were going to have to step up today, and it was going to be the run game, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and then your receivers, uh, Nelson Aguilar and the rookie Whiteside. This did not happen. Nelson Aguilar came to play. He was the offense in the pass game. Eight for 50 and two touchdowns. He was the guy. We knew it. He was the top one off the waiver for fantasy football because he was going to get the target share. Zach Ertz, he had uh, trouble finding room. I thought it would have been the Aguilar. It would have been the Ertz. And then the white side, uh, Arcega-Whiteside, if I pronounce his name right. I thought those guys would have been in in the red zone, getting those jump balls. Didn't really happen. The run game. Why does Philadelphia struggle so much running the ball? This I can't comprehend. You have guys like Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. I don't know if it's the scheme. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this film on this game to completely understand what it is that they're doing. Their offensive line is good. Let's not kid ourselves. This offensive line is good. But there's just something about it. Maybe it's the play calling. I'm going to have to go back and understand exactly what is going on with this run game, but they just can't do it. And this is crippling this offense. The defense for the Eagles is very peculiar because – They have players, but they're getting beat. Zach Brown and Nigel Bradham in the middle are your anchors, and they're just not getting it done anymore. You know, when you look at Zach Brown from his days in Washington, even Buffalo, he was the leading tackler on these teams. He just doesn't look like the same player anymore. Nigel Bradham on the same token. He still looks fast, but he's just not there. I don't know. This defense, they if they could have figured out how to make a trade for Jalen Ramsey, I think I would have I would have done it because they do need some help on that back end. Darby, I think, went down with another injury as well. He's been quite banged up over the years, having a difficult time staying healthy. So I mean, you need something. The Detroit Lions, so they were the underdog here by just under a touchdown. I think it was six point five. I took the under. I took the Lions to walk into Philly to pull, pull not necessarily pull off the upset, but they were going to keep this game close. But even, even with that said, I had a feeling that how beat up this Eagles squad was, this, this was going to happen. It was, it was necessarily a formality. They were good today, the Detroit Lions. Not as good as I would have hoped, but they were good. Again, we're gonna go back and s- and still speak the same thing. Carry on, Johnson. I'm gonna sigh a big sigh here because I have not been a supporter of the man. I've been clear on that. I've been on record on that. He just isn't my type of running back. I believe he has talent, but it just it's not being either used properly or he just can't get it done. 20 for 36 today, 1.8 average. That's not good enough for any NFL running back. 1.8? Get off the field. You're not welcome here. The underground does not welcome you here. Anyway, the Lions, Stafford, looked okay, found his receivers, came down to a late play. Wentz had his man, Whiteside, and he dropped the ball in his hands. If he would have caught that ball, he could have easily fallen into the end zone. Eagles would have won. Hometown crowd went home happy. Didn't happen. The Lions steal won in Philly. Carolina and Arizona. If I haven't said it already, I'm a huge fan of Kyler Murray. And I was fully expecting the Cardinals to run all over the Cam Newton-less Panthers. I did not account for this kid, Kyle Allen. He put on a show. Do we have a quarterback controversy in Carolina? We just might. He went for 261 and four touchdowns. He was a machine. He was accurate, on point. He was hitting the slants. He was hitting the deep shots. Like The coaching staff just gave him full trust, and he, he delivered. This kid, if you need a quarterback and Cam might be held out next week just because how good Allen played, you might want to consider putting Allen on your team. He was good. Christian McCaffrey does what Christian McCaffrey does. Just took one to the house. I believe it was like over 70 yards. He finished over 150 today. Just a baller. Cardinals. Kyler Murray started well, finished terrible, and this is kind of the reverse on how it has been. He usually starts slow, finishes strong, just comes up short. I'm still given, given faith behind Murray. I think he's got a lot of skill, but I think it's the coaching staff that has the things to work out at this point. Cliff Kingsbury, he needs to figure out his how he's running the entire game to not allow his team to get in this situation. Still, David Johnson is not cutting it. So the run game isn't there. So then it inhibits poor pass plays. I mean, it is what it is. Cardinals will get better. I believe Murray is the man. He will do things properly. So moving right along. New York Giants, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was a game, people. Daniel Jones starts his first contest for the New York Giants in... The transition from Eli Manning. The game started rough, man, for Jones. But he shook it off after the first half. And he put on a show. He came out at the end. Game on the line. And he found a way to win this contest after being down. They were down. Big. Jones was impressive. I mean, for all the flack he took in the draft, everyone booing him, and he came out and proved all his critics wrong on his first start. Good for him. Good for him. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their attempts. What was their day? Mike Evans, man, he he had the day. He had three touchdowns in the first half. It looked like he was going to have seven by the end of the game the way that Jameis Winston was finding him. Adjustments went well for the Giants, though they were able to take Mike Evans out in the second half. And the thing is, you know, they still can't run the ball, Tampa Bay. Jones had some moments. Ronald Jones, I'm speaking of, for Tampa Bay. He had his moments. I mean, 5.7 per, uh, per carry. He went for 80. But, I mean, it was like in sporadic times of the contest it's nothing nothing credible to make you feel like they can dominate through the ground anyway very good contest Giants come out on top Daniel Jones ran it all the way in I believe he was like what 15 yards back for the win bad news for the Giants in this contest Shaquan Saquon sorry Barkley High ankle sprain is what I'm hearing. He's having more tests done tomorrow for the severity of how much time he's going to be missing. Fantasy owners are crying. I'm one of them. I have a couple of shares of uh, Saquon Barkley. Not a good day in that respect, but we'll see what happens. We're going to have to move forward as we always do. Houston Texans, LA Chargers next game on the line. Chargers start very fast in this one, taking it to them. Up seventeen to seven at the halftime. Deshaun Watson just didn't look good. The run game looked even worse for the Texans. I was thinking Carlos Hyde was gonna have a good day today, simply because of how bad the Chargers were gashed last week. Just didn't happen. I don't even understand why you have Duke Johnson on this team, on a, any team for that matter. You get his services and you don't use the man. He is a very talented player. Use him at least in the pass game create at least half a dozen pass plays specifically for this man in open field and see what he can do just doesn't happen interesting interesting for sure DeAndre Hopkins was held in check today was actually quite impressed with the with the Chargers coverage he only got 6 for 67 nothing doing in that respect but in the in the fourth quarter this was where the game kind of turned cuz the Chargers were good you know, they couldn't find the run game today. Keenan Allen was the man today for the Chargers. But the Texans found it late. Deshaun Watson gashed him to the tight end, Aikens, for the big touchdown, go-ahead touchdown. And, and that basically sealed the deal for Houston. L.A. just couldn't get back into it. But, I mean, if you saw this one, I was watching Keenan Allen, and he was just roaming free. Like... Uh, Like a young man. He still is young, obviously, but he was just, he was playing lights out, man. 13 for 183 and two touchdowns. I have him on my fantasy team. I'm happy, as should you be. But the Chargers don't come out on this one victorious. Drop a very winnable contest. Go one and two in the division where you're chasing the Kansas City Chiefs. Wildcard hopes are not looking good to start the season. They're going to have to clean things up. But look, Melvin Gordon isn't there. And this is the type of game Melvin Gordon is smiling at because Austin Eckler couldn't find anything on the ground. 36 yards. Nothing doing. So, anyway. Next one on the board. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo versus Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph getting his first start of his... Tenure in Pittsburgh, taking over Big Ben for the season. He was not as impressive as I would have thought. I thought he would have been more efficient, more accurate. He was very careless with the ball. Didn't show much, in my opinion, outside of the one crossing play to Juju Smith-Schuster where Juju took it to the house. Mistakes filled this game on both sides of the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo was picked twice. I believe he fumbled Mason Rudolph wasn't great either. He, he threw a pick. He also fumbled. James Conner didn't look right. I mean, 49ers run game. So this is what we were saying before. Even if Jimmy Garoppolo does stumble, going behind Mostert and Brita. And then you got Wilson as the goal line back. This was working today. It worked very well. This actually was it was an entertaining game from some perspective, but I mean there was a lot of mistakes, so it kind of made you take pause and, and and you wanted a little bit more. But Niners win again. Niners are also three and zero. Pittsburgh is zero and three. I think you're gonna have a very very hard time trying to turn people to suggest that Mason Rudolph this season will be something to bring him back to even respectable levels of eight and eight. I just don't see it. He's got a lot of work to do. I like the guy. I think he's a, he's a sound quarterback, but I mean the entire off season was big Ben, you know, with this team and, and those reps weren't there for Mason. So he's, he's basically learning on the fly and you're going to have your problems. You're going to have your bad days, but the run game needs to be there. The struggle continues to find who's going to be the secondary wide receiver in Pittsburgh. I mean, you have Deontay Johnson, you have James Washington, but I want to see something from these guys. Yes, it's early. You know, they still need time to grow and develop, and Deontay found the end zone today, which was nice to see. James Washington isn't being used, and I'm very curious. I thought he would have had a day today knowing that he would have seen less coverage, and he's got that chemistry history with, um, with Mason Rudolph back from college. The 49ers, they have a lot. Of talent on this team, and it shows, you know, Kyle Shanahan has him playing. It's not necessarily pretty, but it's not ugly. Overly ugly. At times it looked ugly today. But hey, man, three and three through three-0. Wins are wins. You need them in the NFL to get anywhere. And they're doing it. The Saints and the Seahawks. So The Drew Brees list Saints. Teddy Bridgewater taking over, hoping to find at least go 500 before Brees comes back, so at least you have a chance to make the playoffs in a wild card. Teddy played today. He came to play, he managed this game. He was not expected to be Drew Brees whatsoever. Just don't lose the game for him, and he didn't. He played well. He played well enough to win. They got out early. I think they had a kick return early. Took the lead. In Seattle. Made Seattle look silly early on. The run game was there with Alvin Kamara. But, I mean, it was actually quite impressive to see and it just validates how good of a head coach Sean Payton really is. It doesn't matter who is running the show. It just worked. Alvin Kamara, man, I was waiting for this day in the past game. So knowing Teddy's limitations in the offense at this point, because he, again, he didn't get all the reps in the preseason and the offseason you know, there's going to take time. So you want to find your checkdowns. You want to find your easy targets. And Kamara was just a beast today, man. He had nine receptions, 92, and one touchdown. Added 69 more on the ground with another touchdown. He was your offense. This is what you need to do with Breeze gone. Get Teddy to, you know, find some guys downfield. He found Michael Thomas quite a few times. Found him once in the end zone as well. But you need to find these guys to just spread out the offense and then just continue to feed Kamara. This will get you through. That defense is good enough to make stops like it was today. Seattle. I just, I don't know. I, I, was, I was streaming the Seahawks defense this week. I was thinking that it was going to be not a surefire thing, but I thought I'd get at least eight points. Didn't happen. I think I got like two. Thanks a lot, Seattle. Russell Wilson started slow. The run game never got there. Chris Carson fumbled the ball again. This has been his problem. He's going to find himself riding that pine in Pete Carroll's doghouse because he can't hold on to this ball. And then if that happens, unfortunately, what do you have in the run game? Penny was out today with an injury. Procise was in. You need Chris Carson to be your guy. Off date. You know what? I'm going to give him the break. It was an off day for him. He'll get better. He is a good running back. I'm impressed. Tyler Lockett, man. I wasn't the biggest believer, I'll admit it. I I think he's a good target. He's a good receiver. He's a good weapon. I thought he was the best secondary uh, receiver on this team behind Doug Baldwin. Baldwin's no longer here, obviously. And Wilson found him, man. Wilson went over 400 yards today, and he threw 11 to Lockett. 154 and a touchdown. So, I mean, he was good. He found holes in this Saints secondary. Marcus Lattimore, what is going on with you? Saints defensive back, clean it up. You are a superstar and you're playing Bush League. Don't like it. Clean it up. This game was entertaining. Seahawks got a late touchdown at Disney, late, which killed a lot of people in fantasy, including me. Didn't like that one bit. I was quite angry. But hey, still got some, some talent on Monday night to get me over the top. Concluding Sunday's contests. Sunday night football. The Cleveland Browns hosting the L.A. Rams. What world are we in that Cleveland gets back-to-back primetime games? Is this the respect we're giving after winning in free agency? Apparently it is. Cleveland Browns. I am not going to sit here and tell you that I was a believer because you can go back, and I'm not saying I'm not a believer. I just wanted to see it firsthand on the field. Because no matter what you do, okay, you got Odell Beckham coming to the club. That's a great piece to have. You brought in all this defense. The defense looked great, by the way, today. But, you know, this offense, man. Offensive line is a massive problem, and it's clear. Every time Baker has to hold the ball. I mean, it was, it was, it was clear in this contest that if the rush was coming... And his receivers weren't getting open quickly on those quick slants. It, it just wasn't there. Baker had to had to roll out, and he was struggling to find guys. I don't understand Kitchens' play calling at times for Mayfield. You're putting him in the bad situation. You have guys like Landry and Beckham. Use them. Create those mismatches. Beckham's going to be your number one. Landry's going to be the key that moves the offense. And then you hand the ball off to Chubb. Chubb had a day two. He looked good today. He was probably the best player on this offense today. Didn't like it. Baker didn't look good. Baker had happy feet. His completion percentage is vastly lower than it was in college for why he was drafted number one. They got a lot of work to do, man. The defense, though, I will give them two thumbs up. They balled out today. They took the Rams' offense and made them look pedestrian, made them look ordinary. Speaking of that Rams' offense, I was all over Jared Goff coming into the season, and now I'm regretting it massively. I was preaching this man, pick him up in every league, at least have him in at least one or two. Disappointment is an understatement for me right now because it appears that the Rams have been figured out by the NFL. I mean, it's clear. Gurley's not running the ball. And again, like we said, his carries were low, 14 today. Which was even crazier is that his backup running back, Brown, saw it three times. So it's not like you were down in this contest that you shouldn't run the ball, but maybe that goes to the, the conversation that this Browns defensive line is actually that good as well. So, I don't know. Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup led the way. Brandon Cooks, man, if you sit back and watch these Rams games, he just quietly puts up the statistics, and you don't even know when he crosses 100 yards. It's unbelievable. I, You know, you, you sit there and you say, wow, he's not even in this game, and then you go back and look at his statistics, and he's already broken like 80 yards. You're like, when the hell did that happen? It's crazy. Rams don't look like the Rams from last year. They don't look like that, that KC Rams game that we saw on that Monday night where they scored like 200 points. It just does not look like the Rams. McVeigh might be f- being figured out by a lot of these coaches, a lot of these defensive coordinators. So this is going to be an interesting thing that I'm going to be looking forward to um, diving into as we get closer to midway, the midway point of the season. That'll tell a lot. I wanted to see if the Browns could play with the big boys because the Rams are still the big boys. And at this point, they still can't measure up. They have a lot to learn. They have a lot of growing to do doesn't mean they're not going to be good. I'm still holding out belief because I believe that Baker is still a good player. Odell Beckham is who he is. Jarvis Landry is underappreciated. And Nick Chubb looks like the real deal. So we'll see. We'll see how this Browns team starts to go. And I want to see much more improvement from the Rams because it just wasn't there. They're lucky to come out of Cleveland with the win. They're 3-0. and Still a handful of teams undefeated now. Cooper Cupman, this guy might be the number one target on this team. I mean, he is the favorite to for Jared Goff. He just he just finds ways open over the field. On that one touchdown, he was just wide open. I don't even know how the hell he got so wide open, man. It was just unbelievable. Going on to Monday Night Football, Chicago Bears and Washington Redskins. This should be nothing much of a contest in my eyes. I mean, Case Keenum has, has done fairly well. He's not been bad. But this Bears defense, man, they come to play, don't they? Cleo Mack should be all over the field. The difference is, the caveat is, I think Vegas has him at 5.5 right now. Can Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky do anything offensively? This is what I'm looking forward to seeing. If he can't, then you know what? The the Redskins could actually pull one out, pull out the upset at home. It's not inconceivable. We could see it. Going to be a decent showdown. Still fantasy implications. I got David Montgomery on Monday night, so we'll see. I need about ten points and I'll I'll be going, I believe, five and one. Anyway, that's week three, people. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you as always. You can find us at on Twitter. At Chris underscore ADF1. You can find this show on Twitter. At ADF Underground. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We are on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. And until next week, we will be back for week four. Keep it going. NFL just is not stopping. We're just in the beginning and we're going to have a good time doing it. So, again, thanks for tuning in. The ADF Underground. Stay humble. Stay peaceful. Take care of each other. I'm out. Thank you.